What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. She is Abby Schnabel. I'm Noah Hiles. It's time to talk some college basketball here. Abby, as the weeks go on, (laughs) the Pitt Panthers, they keep going. And we're going to talk pretty much all show about Pitt. But before we do, we got to actually talk about this show's presenting sponsor, which is new. Uh, And it's Mike's Beer Bar. Whether if you're in town for a Steelers, Pirates, or Pitt game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town, as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 TVs. You can catch all of your sports action right over at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local beers and 80 different local craft beers, which are available on tap. You can also try a flight. And you can, when you're doing that, Abby, you can get any option you can think of. You'll never run out. I've tried it. They never run out. I'm always there. <laughs> they never run out. You, If you're hungry, you can get a steak on the stone, which is personally one of my favorite meals in the city. Uh, they bring a raw steak out, cook it right in front of you to decide how hot you'd like it to be uh, cooked and prepared. It's delicious, and you can have that as you enjoy a night out in the city of Pittsburgh. So come on down to Mike's Beer Bar, get your sports fix, and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. They have, Ugh, best they bar have, in Pittsburgh. They have Duke. They have Duquesne games on every, yes, every they do. Duquesne game. So if you're looking for, for a place to watch a Duquesne game and because you don't have ESPN Plus, go to Mike's Beer Bar. They got everything on at Mike's <laughs> Beer Bar. I've watched World Cup soccer there. I've watched plenty of, I think, probably like eight different sports. There. And if you, if you don't like steak, you can get the, the seafood on a stone. You yeah. can do shrimps. Uh. We'll keep it moving here, though. Uh, Abby, we do a question, we do a highlight, we do a prediction. It's going to be all about Pitt today. Uh, Pitt heads into the weekend having won six of its last seven. It's at 52 in Ken Palm, or 52 in net, excuse me, 57 in Ken Palm. And, uh, you know, this team's clicking around the right time. Our question is, what's been working? What has been the biggest difference that has allowed Pitt to to get moving here. Oh, you're t- giving it right to me. Okay. Yeah. Offense, offense, offense. Yep. I feel like this team has really hit its stride offensively, whether that's Blake Kinson scoring 27 points or them going um, starting a game four for five from three-point range. Uh, I just feel like everything's going well offensively for them. You know, they have some bumps and bruises like any team will, but I just feel like they've been really able to um, put put holes in people's defenses, especially like, you know, you look at uh, Tuesday's game against Virginia, one of the best defenses in the country. And, and Pitt said, hold my beer, hold my Mike's beer. Um, (laughs) And uh, I mean, when you look at it, like what's been working, I I wrote three things down. I wrote Blake Henson. Um, in the three games in February, he's averaging 20 points per game, um, which is insane. And then he's hype man extraordinaire. Like, w- if you read Noah's story, you know that um, he really, really, really hyped up that uh, the, the game against uh, Virginia the other day. Like, yep. he really put it plainly to his teammates to get them hyped up, and they got hyped up. And and I that's the kind of guy you need when you're trying to make a late run. Because let's be real, if you would have asked me on January 2nd if I thought this team had a chance of going in the tournament, I would have said no. And now Blake Hinson has convinced me that this team could be a tournament team. And then you look at three-point shooting. I mean, 40% or higher in three of their last four, the exception being the NC State game. Um, 
And then just the three guards in general, Jalen Lowe, Bob Carrington, and Blake Henson are just, wow. I don't even have words for, like, how fun it is to watch those three and just control that offense and, and just, you know, show up defenses left and right. Yeah. Uh, you hit a lot of the same points I wanted to. Um, I mean, the biggest difference, if you're just looking at the numbers, this team's making shots. They just are. In uh, in five of their last six wins, they've shot forty two percent or better from three point range. For perspective, as a team, they're shooting thirty four point four percent on the year from three. So they're shooting eight percent better from three point range in five of their last six wins. They're shooting seventy two percent or better from the foul line in five of their last six wins. They shoot as a team sixty nine point nine percent. From the foul line. So they're shooting above average in both of those key categories. And to add a little bit more context with the free throw shooting, they've got to the line more than the opposition in five of their last seven games. And the two games where they didn't get to the line more than the opposi- opposition were Duke and Virginia, the, their two best wins of the year. So they're really they're beating teams down with outside shooting and they're capitalizing on free opportunities when they can get into the bonus. Um, and in games like NC State, when the shots aren't falling, that's where they've made up for the point differential is at the foul line. Now, how are these shots falling now? The easy answer is they're just making them. But the real answer is it's this three-guard lineup. It's led to better shot creation and better shot selection the thing that this team was desperately missing when it hit a little bit of a funk in December was a point guard. Bub Carrington can do a lot of things a point guard should be able to do, right? He, he can, he's leads the team in assists. He can get to the basket, but Bub Carrington is also a really good shooter. And Jalen Lowe is a true, like made in a factory point guard. <laughs> and his emergence to this team was the first spark because he's a guy who can get to the basket. He can score while getting to the basket. He can hit those floaters. He can dish it. He can he can lob it up for Federico. He can kick it back out. The second factor in that is when Jade, when Jaden Lowe became his role as the team's point guard, everyone else found a defined role, Right. Blake didn't have to shoot 20 times a game anymore, and nor did Bub Carrington. And Ishmael Leggett, the guy's like water. You pour him into a glass like this, and he can be that. But if we pour him into a square glass, he can be that. He can be whatever this team needs him to be. Sometimes that's being the best defender in the backcourt. Other times that means being a second facilitator. Other times that means being the leading scorer or close to it. He's also the best rebounder on the team, statistically. So that's been the difference, I think, is this three-guard rotation. Really, Lowe's emergence has allowed them to play with three guards, which is pretty much how this team, I think, was constructed to be, especially with their still weaknesses that exist in the front court. That's why they won last year, Abby, Mm -hmm. is because of their guards. And it's the same thing again. You take pressure off Federico. You take pressure off the wings, including Blake. Or you don't have to make Blake the guy the offense runs through. Yeah, You give Blake the ball and you say, hit it. And he will. But when there's not pressure at the basket and your guards aren't responding well to being guarded face up for the whole floor, it kind of 
negates Henson's ability. But now with a true point guard with a three-guard rotation with Leggett's versatility is taking the pressure off of Carrington and, and Henson, which has made both of them better shooters. And in return, it has also allowed Lowe to become more of a scorer, Leggett to become more of a scorer, and they're just a more efficient team. Absolutely. That's the best way to put it. So we'll move on now to the highlight. This team's on the bubble. I we I said this on this show. I said it in my game my game preview heading into Virginia. I said with a win, Pitt's back on the bubble. Yep. Now the bubble was a very relative term. <laughs> Some people look at the bubble as a nine seed trying to remain as like a guaranteed lock for mm-hmm. the tournament. It's like we're 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 comfortable, but like you know. A bad week could make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Some people look at that as what the bubble means. Other people look at the bubble as anything in the range of the last four buys to the first four out. That's what I think the general consensus mm-hmm. of what bubble means. You're in that group of 12 to 14 teams that are anywhere from an 11 seed to the first four out. Mm-hmm. And then there's the general scope of the bubble, which is what we just talked about, that middle group where it's the 11 seed to the first four out, plus another 10 teams that are trying to claw their way into that mix. Mm -hmm. And that's where Pitt currently is. And while that's not enticing, that's not necessarily sexy for (laughs) some fans to hear, this team was nowhere near that even two weeks ago. No. So, and you look now... And why, why the, there is reason, we talked in our last show about why there, we debated, should Pitt fans be excited? And I said, not yet. Now you should be. Because while we identified a path all the way back after the back-to-back wins over Duke and Georgia Tech, the path is a lot clearer now, Abby. This team has, what is, what's its record now? 16 wins? Something like that? Here. Yep, 16 it. and 8. Yeah, it's 16 and 8. It's got seven games left. I think worst case, this is a 21 team heading into the end of the regular season, which isn't going to be enough. If it's 21 team, you got to get probably to the ACC final, right? But it's no longer a team that just simply has to win the league to get in. Like there's, there's numerous routes you could take, but the, the true path is clear. I mean, they've got seven games left, two quad one, two quad two, and they, don't have any tough home games. They have four home games, and it's a quad two, two quad three, and a quad four. So you figure those are your low-pressure games, so those are winnable. So let's say they win all four of those, right? Very winnable games. That gets them to 20 right there. Now you're looking at two quad one games on the road and a quad two. You win one or two of those, you're heading into Washington, D.C. with a 21-22 regular season there and looked at as one of the hotter teams. And a lot of the teams they're battling with for position right now are in that path. So you Mm -hmm. figure if they beat a Wake Forest next week or a Clemson, they're just going to keep gaining ground. That's why you you should be excited. It's not like there's a Duke and a North Carolina waiting. The hard part of the schedule is over. There are two games really, that are challenges left. And if you win one of those and just beat all the other teams that you should probably be favored to beat, 
you're in some serious business here. So it's they still got to do it, but it's like they're going into the Fort Pitt tunnel now. You, can <laughs> see, like, you, you can't see the light, but you know if we just keep going straight, if we just stay on this path, we'll get through. Whereas before, it's like they're, they're like two miles away from the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. They have no idea when the traffic's going to stop. I was so going to just yeah. I'll let I know I've been ranting. <laughs> just want to pass it over to you. I mean, I'm going to take the Fort Pitt. I'm going to take the Fort Pitt Tunnel uh, analogy and and turn it the other way. You 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 came in. You're all the way on the right. They need to get all the way on the left. And now you're fighting. You you all know the listeners know yeah, the Fort Pitt Tunnel. It, yeah. It's like it it is a battle. Mm-hmm. And yes, they have most of their their wins. It is it is like a it's like we're gonna say like one p.m. on a Wednesday, so it's not as tight of a battle to get through the Fort Pitt Bridge, but it's still a battle because they do have to take care of business. And and while they have been really steady lately, they are um, not the best at home. Um, no. They're road dogs, true and true, and and it's beneficial for them that you know they have that Clemson game on the road, and then they have that Wake Forest game on the road. And those are the two games that I really look at as like um, you can split those two. Ideally, you don't want to to lose to Wake Forest since they are on the bubble with Pitt. Right. Um, but like that's one that if you beat Clemson, you can afford to lose. Correct. And, so, and you've already beat Wake Forest. And you've so already beat yeah. Wake Forest, so it's not like you're getting swept. But we're through the thick of it. They, like you said, Noah, it's, you know, they've put themselves in a good position to finish out this stretch, which is fairly easy to be in the NCAA tournament. And and you said it, I said it earlier, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, a month ago, even at the beginning of the season, I was very skeptical about this team's chances to make it to an NCAA tournament. And now I'm not. Like, I don't see why they couldn't make it, especially because I feel like they are one of the stronger ACC teams right now, which, you know, maybe isn't saying much because the ACC, as we've talked about um, a lot, is maybe not having its strongest season. But when Pitt is playing its best basketball at the most important time of the season, that's important. And it, it took them a while to figure it out. But when you look at last season, it took them a while to figure it out. And they were full of veterans. So the fact that, you know, it took them a little longer to figure it out this year, but they're so young. And they finally figured it out. And it's exciting because it, it you know, many people lost hope. I really, right. truly think a lot of fans and maybe even some of the players lost a little bit of hope. You know, when you lose to Syracuse twice to a Syracuse team that isn't that good, you're not able to really get the, the wins at home that you should be. But now there's 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 excitement. They're on the bubble. And, and they are – I don't even think they've reached their peak yet. No. And that's what's exciting is that they haven't peaked. There are teams that they're competing with spots for that probably have. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of shuffle in these last couple of weeks, but like, I, this is a beautiful highlight for um, Pittsburgh sports for this podcast because there is not a team in the ACC, maybe definitely not in Pittsburgh, that's playing as well as Pitt is right now. No, um, and you know, you brought up the group last year a little bit, and I, I think that this team, that team last year around this time, probably started to come down yep. from its peak. I mean, that team got smoldering hot in January, you know, with those wins over Virginia and Miami and even, you know, the North Carolina one was like on December 30th, but like we can even loop that <laughs> in there. But, you know, the, those were those were the wins, really, that and the Northwestern win, which happened early December. 
that bought Pitt its stock and got it really where it needed to be. And then it was just kind of holding on. But if you look, I mean, that team wasn't playing its best basketball in February. And even in early March, like that was a team that lost to, to Notre Dame. You know, it could have won an ACC championship. It lost its last two regular season games. It could have won an ACC championship had it either beaten Notre Dame, who was horrible last year. Horrible. And still is. Uh, <laughs> and Or Miami on the road, which was a tougher task, obviously, because Miami was a Final Four team. But And even you you think back to some of those games in February. There's a team they, they lost in Blacksburg to Virginia Tech. They lost uh, – or they, they, they had to, like a dogfight against Georgia Tech at home. In February, there there were some games where you're just like, oh man, this team this team needs to get it going. Like they're they're not they're not playing as well as they were in January. This team's hitting its stride now, I guess. And we can go into the final part of it here, the prediction. It has to sustain this, yeah. right? You can't you can't putter out like you did at the end of last regular season. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's one six of its last seven. You have to figure Louisville will make it seven of eight, right? Like if if they lose Saturday to Louisville, then like we're done talking about it. Like it's over that. That was your chance. (laughs) Better go win the ACC. Right. Um, But Abby, I just want to know, I mean, when does Pitt's next loss come? Because you, you would like to think, like you said, there's every reason to believe that, you know, they use the term in football, oh, they control their own destiny, mm-hmm. right? Pitt does, in a yeah. way. If Pitt, if Pitt wins six of its last seven, if it can replicate what it just did, where it won six of seven, it has to do that again. It has to, but like, they have more home games than road games, and they only have two quad one opponents, similar to what they had, I guess. They had three quad one opponents in their last seven there. But uh, if it can do that, if it can win six of its next seven, there's nothing to worry about heading into DC Mm-mm. unless it, that one loss is Louisville. But <laughs> uh, my question for you, give me a prediction, Abby, when is Pitt's next loss? When does this team have its next hiccup? This is probably not the answer you're going to want to hear, okay. but I think it's Virginia tech. That's that's the same game I had. <laughs> because again, road dogs, Road dogs. You've got Wake Forest and Clemson, and and that's the game. I one of those games is the ones I'd feel okay with them losing. Um, but I just think Virginia Tech is a true and true trap game. Um, and I mean, when you look at the schedule, you're you're just it's literally in the middle of that Wake Forest and Clemson game, and and you've already shown that you can and beat Wake Forest. Uh, Clemson is is a little bit of a tough matchup, but you haven't played Virginia Tech this season. Um, and it's just, I just don't, I'm just not as confident in this team at home as I am on the road and with it sandwiched in between those two games. Um, it just, I think, I think that's the game they're going to lose. But as long as, I think as long as they still win at Clemson and, and Wake Forest, they're fine. Right. However, I just worry that if they lose to one of those, Clemson or Wake Forest and to Virginia Tech, then maybe we're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, you're, you're. And I, I completely agree. That's the one that I look at where I do think they'll lose. I think what will happen if I had to predict, I think they lose to Virginia Tech and Clemson. Because mm-hmm. you, you look, you beat Louisville Saturday. That's that's uh, seven of eight. 
Then you go into Wake Forest and you win that one. That's eight of nine. Now they're probably in the last four out, right? Because that's another quad one win. That's eight of nine. They're what? Probably fourth place in the ACC at that point. And they have wins over two of the three teams ahead of them in their building. All the hype's there. And that matchup the following week at Clemson is the one that they're going to be looking ahead to. And this is still a relatively young team. Zach Austin's never been to the NCAA tournament. Ishmael Leggett has never been to the NCAA tournament. Jalen Lowe and, or yeah, Jaden Lowe and, and uh, Bub Carrington, they've never played college basketball in the month of March. <laughs> no. So th- this is still new. How can you not look ahead after getting that weight? Because th- that's going to be the mentality is, all right, well, we beat Wake. We beat Clemson now. We're good. We're good. We're smooth sailing. And that Virginia Tech team, that was a trap game for them last year mm-hmm. in Blacksburg. And and granted, it's 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 home. And I don't know if I necessarily feel that like Pitt's bad at home. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it really matters where that game's played. I just look at that sandwich between their really their two most important games they'll play until they go to Washington, D.C. And so that's that's a tricky one. Um, so I, I will say if they lose at Wake Forest, they probably do beat Virginia Tech. Yes. But if Pitt <laughs> wins its next two, which I think it will, that's going to be the one that brings them down to reality, and it might take a little bit for them to get going again, which could mean a loss at Clemson. And then they, they win out. They finish their final three with wins, and they head in with 21 wins, and we're – they're then, still in the thick of the bubble, but who knows what's going on. And then now, you're, now you're waiting for other people to lose yeah, in because, addition to you having to win. Because it goes back to what we talked about earlier is with the ACC not being as strong. Maybe right. you, maybe in a different year, Pitt gets a marquee win in the ACC tournament, um, doesn't win it, but get, gets gets a good win. Maybe then they're, they're out of the bubble in the tournament. But I just don't think other than winning against Duke, maybe – um, which I don't or North know. North Carolina or, or Virginia. North, yeah, but North Carolina just isn't the team that it was. You know, you, they just lost to Syracuse the other day. That's it's true. just it's it's uh, it's on a decline, is what I'm getting at. And I just don't know if there's a true marquee win in the ACT tournament that if they were to hit a little bit of a slump, lose two, maybe three games um, of their last seven. I don't know if there's a win in the ACC tournament that pulls them out of it without another bubble team having a disaster right. set. So I don't know. It's exciting. It's it's it is. we're we're a month away um, from right about a month away from Selection Sunday, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the ACC semifinal will be played a month from today. The ACC championship will be played a month and a day from today. And man, it's. But that's the thing I think that needs to be emphasized again before we wrap this up is just, you know, on on January 15th, there was little reason to believe that Pitt would be playing relevant basketball halfway through February. And they are. They yeah. are. Even, it, like, again, if they lose on Saturday, then they're not. Then this is just <laughs> all kind of whatever. But, mm-hmm. yes. But, you, I mean, you're going to be heading into the last full week of the month playing some very meaningful basketball. So Abby, any final thoughts as we wrap this one up? I'm so ready for March. 
All right, she's ready. I'm ready. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can check out all of our written work at post-gazette.com, and you can check all of our analysis out here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. She's Abby Schnabel. I'm Noah Hiles. We'll see you next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. <laughs>